Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, August the 16th, in the year of our Lord, 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we like taking a look at one of the lessons for this coming Sunday. Now, sometimes you read all three lessons and you wonder, oh, which one should I preach on? Maybe none of them really hit you as that worthy of a whole sermon, which of course all of them always are, but it takes some time to figure it out. However, this Sunday, taking a look at the Old Testament from Isaiah, the epistle from Ephesians, and the gospel from Mark 7, every one of them are fit for a wonderful sermon. And so it's really difficult to try and figure out which one to do. Now, we're going to be doing Mark chapter 7, 1 to 11. But it is also very close to Isaiah 29. And we'll explain that as we go along. So Mark chapter 7, 1 to 13. When the Pharisees gathered to Jesus with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Now, who would ever want to have a meal with unwashed hands? You think about that right away. But the fact of the matter is, is this is not just for cleansing. This is something much more important. This is dealing with a ceremonial washing that the Jews thought were very necessary. So they would go to the market and they would not wash their hands. That is, they were therefore defiled. Why? Because at the market, there were Gentiles there. And that was a reason to wash your hands because you were dealing with Gentiles. Verse three explains that. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, what? do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. So it's not really a cleansing that one does washing your hands before you eat. It's something the elders made up that because you're dealing with Gentiles, so even if you walked through the marketplace, never touched any food, never bought anything, you would still have to wash your hands because you were dealing with unclean people. Now, that is found nowhere else in the Bible. It's called a tradition of the elders. And Jesus is really going to be speaking to that in a moment. So, 
There are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining councils or dining couches. Now, when's the last time, for example, that let's say the couch you sit on in the front room is dirty and what do you tell your wife to do? Take it to the bathroom, put it in the bathtub, soak it under water, and then bring it out. Of course not. The washing of the couch would not at all involve dunking into the water. It may be applying water in proper places or some kind of soap or detergent. But what is important about this verse is this is the verse used by those of us who baptize, say, infants simply by sprinkling water upon them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So when it talks about the washing of cups and pots, copper vessels, and dining couches, that's the word for baptize. They're baptizing them. So the word baptize doesn't mean to dunk. It means to apply water. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, it, it doesn't say that he went under the water. It's of some note that the particular item used to symbolize baptism in the early church was what? It was a little vessel that you would get out of the ocean and you would, or out of the Sea of Galilee, and put water in it and apply the water to the person. We know that there were baptisms when the disciples were freed from the prison. They came and they baptized not only their jailer, but his family. Now, they don't have swimming pools in their houses, so that would have been application of water. So if anybody asks you, does not baptism mean being dunked? No. But the tradition of the elders, if, for example, somehow a Gentile had touched these items, cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches, therefore, that was a tradition of the elders. There's no Bible verse found in the Old Testament that such washing had to occur. Verse 5, And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And Jesus replied to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written. And it just so happens that the Old Testament lesson for this Sunday is the Isaiah passage. Isaiah 
29, verses 11 to 19. God is very angry with his people because his people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Now that's very important to realize. For example, if you've ever attended a so-called church where homosexual activity is condoned, you will go to the worship service and these people are praising God with their lips but their hearts are far from God because they don't recognize that the lifestyle they are living is an abomination before Almighty God. Therefore, they are instead getting fear about God, not from the commandments of God, but from their tradition. So the Lord says, I will again do wonderful things with this people, wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish. Boy, that sure happened in AD 70 with the destruction of the Jerusalem temple by the Romans. And the discernment of their discerning, that shall be hidden. So, Jesus is making the point that those who think they're really wise or now know how to discern the Bible, that that will be destroyed. In fact, it was due to the Babylonian captivity that the people of Israel were taken into slavery because they believed these false prophets. They believed Instead, the wisdom of so-called wise men and the discernment rather than holy scripture. And God goes on in verse 15 of Isaiah 29. You who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who says, who sees us, who knows us, you turn things upside down. Now, that's a good reference to not only what many in Israel were doing, they were turning things upside down, but that's what Adam and Eve did. God had said, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they listened to the serpent, turn things upside down, thinking that if they would eat of that knowledge of the tree, of good and evil, they would become like God. And then God in Isaiah 29, verse 16, talks about how things are turned upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay that the thing made should say of its maker, he did not make me, or the thing formed, say of them who formed it, he has no understanding. Boy, if this isn't talking about many people in the United States of America today, 
they believe in evolution, which even isn't proper science. It, it just isn't testable. It's not verifiable. It's not repeatable. I mean, when's the last time you heard they changed a monkey into a human being? No. In other words, those who believe in evolution are turning things upside down. And they're saying to God, the creator, you did not create us. We created ourselves through evolution. And you have no understanding. Well, that's what Isaiah 29 is referring to. And that's why Jesus quotes it in Mark 7. He says, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written? Now, the word hypocrite is really the word for being an actor. They were acting as though they believed in God, but they did not. Because the God they believed in was a God who saved you by your good works. Remember that one Pharisee? Thank God I'm not like a tax collector. Because, and notice what he then says, I tithe, I fast. See, these are ceremonies of men. And he thinks, therefore, that he is saved by them. Paul talks about being a top Pharisee of the Pharisees. And yet, all that he throws away as garbage when it comes to what Jesus has done for him. Because Jesus has saved him. Very, very important. So, Jesus quotes Isaiah. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. That certainly is happening today. You can have a, a married couple and the husband professors that he loves the wife, but he has a mistress. And therefore, he believes that the commandments of men allow you to be with a person you love how many times have you not heard that? I love this person. Therefore, God would not have given me this love unless it was okay to cheat on my wife. That's a perfect example of following the doctrines of men rather than the commandments of God. In fact, verse 8 could be a summary of the entire sermon. Jesus says, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. Just talk to those who have left the church. They've often left it because of the morality which the church teaches uh, against abortion, against homosexuality, uh, against other things that they say the church has no business saying that because the Holy Spirit has led me to perceive that those things are okay. So they follow 
the tradition of men rather than God's commandment. Jesus then gives a wonderful example that many people who read the English Bible have no understanding of. He says to them in verse 9, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. So first he speaks of the commandment of God. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. So there is to be an honor towards father and mother that you continue to help and take care of them even throughout their older age. But what did the Pharisees teach? Verse 11. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin that is given to God, then you no longer permit the son to do anything for the mother or father. So what's this? Corbin. Corbin was a practice, and it refers to the temple treasury. If a son would give to the treasury instead of to his father or mother when they have a need, the son could justify not giving anything to the father or mother because he had given to Corbin. He had given the money to the treasury. And there was a practice among the Jewish leaders not to use that money for other things except for the temple sacrifices. So they make up this new law called Corbin, and they tell sons, if you give money to the treasury, you do not need to help your father or mother. What does Jesus say? Verse 13, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. And the reason for that is because Many of the Jews were really confused over the ceremonial laws. They thought they were equivalent to the moral laws. And therefore, if you obeyed the ceremonial laws, you were saved. And so, as Paul says, he was a follower of the ceremonial laws, tithing and fasting being circumcised, etc. But none of that saves anyone. So throughout the New Testament, there are a number of occasions when Jesus and the apostles accuse Judaizers of not keeping the commandments of God 
but instead replacing them with their own commandments. Now, you're doing a sermon or a Bible study for people today. So you might want to give some consideration of how traditions in a congregation actually go against God's commandments. For example, and this is a problem even in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, among some pastors, they cannot understand how you can deny an individual the Lord's Supper. If they desire to have the Lord's Supper, that is sufficient for receiving the Lord's Supper. That is a tradition of man that disrupts the commandment of God. All you have to do is read 1 Corinthians 11, and you will see that those who are despising the body and blood of Jesus Christ, either by not recognizing that it is present in, with, and under the bread and the wine, or have a terrible attitude towards other Christians, that they are receiving the Lord's Supper to their hurt. Some are getting very sick and some are dying. That is why a proper church teaches and practices what's called close communion because we know the negative consequences of giving the Lord's Supper to someone who is not prepared for it. That's why you have confirmation, taking people through the teachings of the scripture until they come to a decision. Yes, I agree with you that it, that is the true body and blood of Jesus Christ. Then there are congregations that have a tradition that whatever the pastor says is equal to God's word. Now, that is true if he's speaking from the Bible. And therefore, when he preaches on the morality of the world today and against immorality, that is as though God himself is speaking. But let's say you have to make a decision as to what color paint to put on the front doors. Some people say, oh, you should on, put on red, referring to the blood of Christ. That's what we've always done in this church. Others say, no, we should put the color white on the doors because that refers to the righteousness of the people as they enter into the church. Now, the pastor is asked, what do you suggest? Well, he may suggest neither red or white. He may suggest purple because that reminds us of Lent. And the people say, well, that's what the pastor says. That must be God's word. No, do not listen to a pastor who makes a decision over a question in the church that does not have a biblical background. 
God doesn't really care what color you're going to paint the doors through which people enter the Holy Church. You should have a reason why you're choosing the color. But if you choose red or you choose white and you have a reason, that is okay. And that can come about by a vote. In our case, it was the voters' assembly. They would hear both sides. They would vote on it. And the people would decide what color the doors are. And who knows what other traditions in a church are said, we must follow this because this is the way that it's always been. At a time, even in Lutheran churches, the men would sit on the right and the women would sit in the left-hand pews. Now, we no longer practice that. That is a tradition and commandment of men. And if people want that changed, where everybody sits together, that is fine. I believe there's another tradition of men that we need to be discussing, and that is whether the Lord's Supper is given out through individual glasses or through a common cup. Those who insist on one or the other do not really have the biblical background, and therefore the congregation can make its own decision. And during the virus, many have returned to the individual glasses as a way of keeping safe. So, Jesus said, boy, there are some traditions that you're following that are not commandments of God. And it gives us an opportunity to take a look at our congregations and make sure that what we follow is according to the will of God. I'm Tom Baker. Tomorrow's Long Gospel, the hymn will be, Lord, help us ever to retain with Mark Smith. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.